Well, today we're starting a new theme, and it's the harvest. It's the fall, it's September, and this is the time of the harvest. And we need to be focused on bringing in a harvest for God. And uh, I'm so grateful again for God's mercy. And, you know, none of us deserve what God has done for us because, you know, especially now as I'm getting up in age, I see, um, you know, so many younger people passing on, but God still has decided to uh, help me to number my days a little bit longer. And that's why tomorrow is not promised to us. We have to seek each day as if this was the day that God could either call us home or the rapture could come. Amen. And uh, I want to be ready. I don't want to have wasted nearly all my life every Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and at the last minute, miss out. You know, um, the scripture says, as of a child, I think he was speaking in the New Testament, says, of a child, you have been taught the scriptures. That was Paul to Timothy. And as of a child, I can remember going to Sunday school and learning the scriptures and being taught. And I just want to be ready. I just want to be ready. Amen. Anyway, our, our part one this day is about the gardener. And I've taught some of this before. And it's, it's really interesting, um, the first place that God put man, isn't it? In a garden. In a garden. It's maybe not, if you think about it, it's not maybe what you would have thought. You'd have thought, maybe in a palace, maybe in some other great place. But the first place he put man was in the garden. And what we have to understand sometimes about our life is, it's not according to how we think it should go. We, we have to be submissive to God's will. So we're going to study here about the gardener's plan. John 20, verse 15. It's interesting that the very first person to see the risen Christ was a woman. Was a woman. I don't think that was a coincidence. Because the prophecy was to the woman. In Genesis 15, it said, you, you know, God said that uh, the seed of the woman would crush his head. And so it's interesting that it was this woman who was very special, I think. She's the same woman who, when Jesus was having a feast, came in with an alabaster jar and poured all this expensive ointment over his head and started to wash his feet with her tears. And Jesus got criticized. Do you know who this woman is? If you knew how her background, you wouldn't let her come within a mile of you. And Jesus said, to whom much is forgiven, much loved. To whom has been forgiven much, loves much. And that's me. I've been forgiven a lot. A lot. And so this same woman, her name was Mary, Jesus became friends with her and her sister, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. And you see that this trio of people, maybe one to Jesus through her, play a pivotal role in the gardener's plan. Because it was the resurrection of her brother, Lazarus, that triggered the events starting up to his arrest. And so it's only fitting 
that she would be the first one to come to the garden looking for him. John 20, verse 15. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener. Saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me from where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. So it's, it's interesting that the first time God meets someone was in the garden in Genesis, and then the first time that God meets someone after his resurrection is in the garden of Gethsemane. And so we're going to study this whole month about the harvest. And again, it's interesting that God didn't build a castle. He didn't build a mansion. He planted a garden. Genesis 2 verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And that word planted in, in the Hebrew is nata. But the important thing that I wanted to point out, and I've pointed this out before, he didn't speak it. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't um, you know, uh, just call it into existence. This was different in, in, in aspect from what he had done creatively before. For a harvest, there has to be a gardener or a farmer, right? Someone has to plant a seed. For there to be a harvest, an intentional harvest, someone has got to have to prepare the ground. Someone has got to have done something to make the harvest come to fruition. So there must first be a gardener. I'm, I'm not very good at raising green things. <laughs> My wife is a little bit better than me. She's had some success, but I'm not very good. You know why? Because it takes patience. It takes patience. That word that we don't like, or a lot of us don't like, patience. I waited patiently upon the Lord, and he heard my cry. You know, I'm not one for patience. If I, if I see something I wanted, I try to get it right away. And a lot of times, that's a mistake. We have to learn to wait. And it takes patience to, to plant a garden and expect a harvest. Genesis 2, 9, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. He, he prepared this place before he put them in there. God wants us to prepare the ground. We have to have a church that is able to birth new saints, right? So we need a church that loves people. We need a church that cares about people. And you know what? I think we have one. Amen. Amen. I think we have people here who care about other people. Sister Deborah's testimony gives that, gives that proof. Amen. The Lord God made to grow out of the ground every tree that is pleasant to the sun. You know what? He wasn't just interested in, in what you ate, but he wanted it to look good too. There's nothing wrong with looking good. Amen. That is good for, good for food. Because you have to first be a gardener or a farmer if you're going to expect a harvest. You've got to do something. And the Bible speaks in the New Testament and calls him another, gives Jesus another title. He calls him the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. So we're going to study this this month. In Matthew 13, 3, Jesus told four parables. Two of them were about sowing. 
And the disciples could not understand in some aspect what he was talking about. It seemed so cryptic, so puzzling. Let's read it. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. You know, just before service or as we were starting service, I went out into the annex and I turned around and I was looking at all the pictures that we have on that plaque out there of people we have baptized. I've never counted or, or numbered them. I don't want to fall into the era of David and thinking it's something to do with me. But I, I look on there and I know there's a lot. And I say to myself, now why, why don't we have all those people here today? And I look at this parable and I, and, and I try and understand, I'm trying to understand how the word has not been effective in some people. Paul speaking about it, it says the word that, that ministered was not effective in some people. It did, not, it did not get more than here and then somehow came out the other side. Because when I hear the word, it, it always chokes me up. It always makes me want to, to be um, in, a, in a place of worship. It says, some seeds fell by the waysides and the fowls came and devoured them. Sometimes the cares of life things that we're so caught up in. Our priorities uh, are not with the, the Creator or our God. It's with dealing and just existing. It says, Some fell among stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. Sometimes I, I don't like listening to myself, but sometimes I force myself to go back and listen to some of the Bible studies that we've taught and that are out on the internet, which is um, hundreds, actually. And I think, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed because most of the time when I hear it is, it didn't come like I said it because it's, it's still new to me. And I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's some powerful revelation. And I'm not boasting, I'm just saying that it hits me anew like somebody else said it. And I said, well, how come we've been, we've been putting that out for all these years and yet we have people who it did not take. And of course this scripture explains that the gardener's work is only part of the plan. The soil has to be ready, right? The soil has to be receptive. The gardener can sow, but the soil has to be receptive. Amen. It's not all on the gardener. Amen. The soil has to be receptive. When the sun was up, they were scorched because they had... No root. No root. They withered away. I, I, I wonder about some people how, what is their thoughts about God? How can they not believe that He is real and that He wants a relationship? And if they believe that, then could they not order their lives differently? Maybe it's hard for me because I've always been raised in church to believe that there is a God and that He is real, and that He wants a relationship with us. 
Verse 7 says, Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But I'm glad that there's a verse 8. It says, But other fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. Now, as I said, the seed alone is not enough. The gardener alone is not enough. What makes the difference is the combination of the seed and the soil. The seed and the soil. Let's look at that a little bit uh, in more detail. As I said, this whole lesson is called the gardener's plan. The first word of creation in Genesis is bara, and that means created. The first word that God used was create, and that references to creation out of nothing. That word has also a second meaning, which means to choose. It said in Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. In his own image. And then the next word he used in Genesis 2 was form. The second creative word was form. Genesis 2.7, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now at first the skeptics will say, Well, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is a contradiction because they don't understand that there were two different things happening here. First, God created our soul or our spirit man in Genesis 1, which was created out of nothing. In Genesis 2, he then formed a vessel, a body, out of earth. And then it goes on to say that he breathed. He breathed and man became a living soul. The next word that he uses is make. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. You see, there is a progression there that God is using in his creation. The gardener's plan is first to create. David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's the first step of salvation. God has got to create something new in us. It's not there. It's not going to happen by itself. And then... In, the, in Scripture, it speaks about form till, the, till, till Christ be formed in us. I know I'm getting ahead of where I want to go, but I'm just going to go over these words. The next thing, the fourth word that God uses in creation is to plant. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And then the next word, the fifth word, is to grow. And the, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that was good for food. And then the last thing he did was water. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. So create, form, make, plant, grow. And what I'm trying to tell you is those words, those six words so far, are the gardener's plan for salvation. First he has to create in us. Then the scripture speaks about Christ being formed in us. And then we are planted and rooted. And then we got to grow. And then he's going to provide the living water. You understand that there is a plan to the gardener's creative goals here. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God gave the increase. Let's look at that parable again in more detail that Jesus spoke about the, the, the sower that went out. There is a word that can bear no fruit because something came and stole it away. Unless you meditate upon the word, it can get stolen away. So if I was to ask, what was Chris's message last week? 
The Lord is my portion. You know why I remember? Because I've been meditating on it. Because it's meant something to me. The Lord is my portion. David understood, understood that. In Psalms 23, what did he say? The Lord is my shepherd. That's why I shall not want. You see, when we meditate upon the word, it stays with us. That is what's going to give us strength. But if we come in here and we let it go, it's just like this. The birds come, cares of life, psh, took it away. By tomorrow, we don't remember. And when the, when the trials come, we don't re remember that the Lord is our portion. Amen. The Lord is my portion. Nothing else I have means anything if I don't have God. And that's the one thing that Satan cannot take away. As Sister Deborah said, he didn't invite her here, so he can't take her out. <laughs> Amen. And it came to pass, some, uh, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Sometimes we let the word be taken from us. Um, I was telling someone, and you've all heard this before, you can't choose how someone's going to react to you, but you can choose how you react to them, right? Right, sister? You got to choose your attitude. And that's hard. That's hard. But that's what we have to do. Some, we, we can let someone come and take our, away our peace and our joy and our happiness. You could have just had a blessing and then just one word, just completely change your... Change everything. See, what you've done is you've let the birds come and take it away. That's not the gardener's plan. The gardener has a plan for our life. You see, we let people, friends, and family sometimes come and just take away the word. But I've still been feasting on his word last week. I told him, I said, Chris, that's one of your greatest messages. At least to me, it ministered to me. I don't know about you. But when I think about the fact that it doesn't matter what else I have, I could lose everything. But if the Lord is my portion... Amen. The Lord is my portion. I, I don't want to preach his message again, but I've been, I've been meditating on it. The word that bears no fruit is the word that is stolen. When you leave here today, meditate upon the word. Look at it tomorrow. Think about it. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. That means you're here, but you're not here. I could ask you in 10 minutes what I said and you still wouldn't know. It didn't get past the soil. It, did, it stayed on top. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth. But when the trials and the tribulation comes, sometimes because I'm human, I get discouraged. I hope that's not a revelation to you. I was looking at the, those pictures over there. And amazingly, amazingly, Someone who we baptized like seven or eight years ago, um, out of the blue, started paying tithes. They don't, I don't know where they are. I'm not sure where they live. Well, I have some idea. But they don't live close to the church, and they started sending. Send, and they're, they're not an old person. They're a young person, a very young person. Out of the blue, started to, to send offerings. And I thought, it was someone we baptized about seven, eight years ago. There are pictures up there. I'm not going to name any names. And this made me um, start to, to wonder, you know, and I, I reached out to them and I said, you know, thank you. Um, hope you're doing well. We'll keep you in prayers. But you know what the Lord was saying to me? Sometimes it's not up to me, but the word sometimes the seed will still sit there for a while 
And it will sit there for a while, and it will sit there for a while until there comes some water. And it can sit there for some years. A seed can sit there for some years. Something probably happened. God changed some circumstance. And this person, um, for whatever reason, I mean, they have a great choice of things they could do, but they decided to, to uh, acknowledge our church, and I'm, I'm grateful for them if they're listening. Amen. See, sometimes the seed will be there, and it will sit there, and it will sit there, and it will sit there, and God will bring a circumstance, and there will be a, a, a rain shower in someone's life, and suddenly the seed that was planted or fell some years ago will start to germinate. Amen. But unless we get that seed buried, unless God's mercy just lets it sit there, usually something comes and takes it away. Do not let Satan come and take away the seed, the word. Amen. You see, the stony ground is, is uh, emblematic of no endurance. It was okay till there came a wind. It was okay till there came a storm. The reason why the word was not buried the word was not. You have got to take this thing in and meditate upon it. Uh, as I said, every time I think about that the Lord is my portion, you know, it may not matter that you were not born in riches. It may not matter that you are struggling right now. Remember his message about Asaph and how he looked at the prosperity of the wicked. That may not matter. But if God is your portion, that is the key. That is the secret to all of the, the, the heroes of faith is that God was their portion. The, the third category was the, the seed that fell among thorns. You see, the gardener is doing his job. He's, he's throwing down the seed. He is doing, he's throwing the seed, but some of it now fell upon thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it still yielded no fruit. Sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, we're all guilty of this, we let priorities, cares of life, choke out our, our Bible reading, our Bible study, our, our meditation. And so the word, again, does not germinate. It does not bring forth a harvest as it should. But the Bible tells us it's not the seed's fault. The seed is powerful. The seed is able to do great things. You know why? Because the seed is the, seed is the word of God. I am planting some seed now, even if you don't know it. That's what I'm doing. I am quoting some word of God, which is seed. What you need to do is start to bury it, and it will bring forth a harvest. There is no more powerful thing in this universe than the word of God. Because if that word germinates, isn't that what Jesus said? If my words abide in you, and you abide in me, then, then you can ask whatsoever you, then I will do. It's the word of God. When we really start to meditate upon it, so I've been chewing, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. A thousand can fall on my right hand, ten thousand on my left, but the Lord is my portion. Because the Lord is my portion, He's going to look after me. He's going to deliver me. He is going to keep me. Right, Sister Deborah? The Lord is your portion. Amen. The Lord is your portion. You see, the seed is not the problem. It's not what you, when you come to church and you hear a word, oh, that's a dry word. No, no, it's, it's you that's dry. <laughs> the word is not dry. The word is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the fact that you're all dried up. You're not letting the word get in you. And you're not letting the gardener's plan come to fruition. 
Here's verse 8. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit and sprang up, increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. You see, the seed is not the problem because the seed is the word of God. There is no problem with God's word. The problem is getting it into us and really letting it start to germinate and begin to become active. And that's the key why we don't have such blessing and deliverance is because we hear the word, but we let cares of life choke it. We let uh, stony ground, we come in here and say, okay, pastor, you better preach today. Say something spectacular. Come on, give me new revelation. Well, the revelation I'm giving you is what the word says. In the parable that Jesus told that man had died and went to hell. He said, please send somebody back. Please send somebody back so to warn them. And, he, and Jesus said, no, they're not going to listen. Even if, some, you know, even if the word came from someone who had been dead and came back to life, some people would still not want that word. They would not want that word. Let's go back to Genesis. And the Lord God planted. Now, everything that God does actually creatively is related back to the word the first time he actually spoke audibly and God said let there be right and then God formed and then he breathed and even in that breath there was word because it's revealed in in, in John chapter 20 when Jesus repeats that just before he leaves them he comes up to them and they have one last meeting and what does he do the Bible says he breathed on them. But this time, the breath is revealed as words. He didn't just breathe on them. In fact, it's a revelation of what God did in Genesis. In Genesis, it just tells us there was a breath. But in, 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 in John 17, it's revealed that that breath was actually words. So even in the creative uh, breathing of, of, of God in Genesis, there were words. And so we see in, in John 17, he breathed on them and said what? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So now look at this. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Now, we have been revealed. It's been revealed a little bit early. Let me go here. Luke eight eleven. Now the parable is this. See, the Bible is explicit. What does it tell us? The seed is the word of God. Let's go back to Genesis. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden. I'm going to give you some revelation today. So listen up. You may have heard it before. So what I'm saying spiritually is God literally and actually planted something that was the word of God. That's why what came up was the tree of life. Something supernatural. Because it's God's words that give us Life. In, 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 in the New Testament it says, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. That's why if we understood this concept properly, we would say, Lord, give me more word. Just let me have more of your word. I need that. Because they are spirit and they are life. If we, if we really, really accepted that and we're into it and we're meditating on the word, you know how powerful we would be? both spiritually and in every other aspect of our life. Because the words 
came from God. He planted a garden in Eden, and the Bible reveals to us in the New Testament, I believe that what he planted was the Word of God. And that's why the things that grew in that garden were supernatural. They weren't, they weren't ordinary. They weren't just um, plants purely physical, I believe, but there was a spiritual aspect to them so that both the body and the soul were both fed by the Word of God. The physical body was fed by these plants that were supernatural, and we know they're supernatural. I'm jumping way ahead. Because the gardener's plan is to bring us back to the garden. Isn't that what he told the thief on the cross? Isn't that what he told the thief on the cross? He said, the thief said to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What was Jesus' reply? Today thou shalt be with me. And we know that the garden is supernatural because in Revelation it tells us the trees, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So every aspect of what God did is related back to his word. God planted a garden in east, eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. Romans 6.5 spiritualizes that and says this, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Isn't that awesome? If you have been baptized in his name, symbolizing the likeness of his death, the gardener's plan is that you're going to be in the likeness of his resurrection. We have, I won't say lost, but we have um, been absent from two, two of our saints this year. But I know both of them were planted in the likeness of his death. And so we believe that we shall see them again in the likeness of his resurrection. As I said, Luke makes it plain that the word is the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. If you're not producing fruit, look to the soil. <laughs> look to the soil. If the word is bouncing off of you, if you've put up a shell, or if you let thorns grow up, or if you're just um, letting the, it, it sit on the top, and as soon as you leave here, okay, now what I got to do? I got this bill and that bill. If you're not meditating on the word, no wonder... We don't have strength. No wonder we're not overcomers because God has given us the seed for the very purpose of doing what? Bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. Amen. So let's look at this a little bit more detail. Genesis 3.8. After they had sinned and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. How does a voice walk? I don't know, but the Bible says somehow it did. Again, everything that God did in Genesis is related to something vocal, his word. That's why it's the most powerful essence, the most powerful thing in the universe, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Many times we try and do that. We try and hide from God. We try and hide from God as if, as if God would not be able to find us. Well, I'm not going to come to church today because I don't want no one talking to me. <laughs> You're hiding. 
from the presence of God. Look what Jesus said to Mary. John 20, 15. Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Whom did you seek today when you came here? She supposing him to be the gardener. Saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus then revealed himself to her. Now I'm not sure totally why she didn't recognize him. It could be that he had been so disfigured. They say the only man-made thing in heaven is the wounds that Jesus had. He still had the places where they had put the spear in. He still had the holes in his hands. Because he was able to say to Thomas, okay, put your hand there. I preached about that, that moving beyond just hearing, touching. And he had to touch him before he believed. But even that is a prophecy because Jesus said that your very names are graven on the palms of his hands. He cannot forget you every time he would look on his hands because there are the nail holes where they put him on the cross for me and you. So the Bible doesn't say why exactly she couldn't recognize him because maybe he had a hood over or something. But he revealed himself and he said Mary in such a way that she knew it was him. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. The gardener laid out in Genesis his plan. Those seven words of creation. Create. Psalm 51.10. Create in me a clean heart. That's the first step. The first step when you're going to plant a garden is you've got to clear away everything. You've got to take out the weeds. You've got to take away the stone. If you want God to create in you a clean heart, you're going to have to do some things. You're going to have to prepare the soil. You're going to have to clean up some of the, the mess. And renew a right spirit within me. The greatest thing about this is that even though David had just committed great crimes, murdered someone really, God was still merciful to him. You can, you, why did I do that? Why did I go down that path? David, through God's mercy, was able to come, come back into fellowship by first saying, God, help me clean away this garden. Please help me get away the stones. Help me break up this ground. Help me take out the weeds. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Then the next thing, just as in Genesis, Galatians 4.19, Paul says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. That's Genesis 2. Then the next word was made. Titus 3.7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I'm talking about the gardener's plan. The very seven words that he said in Genesis, you can find in the New Testament in relation to our salvation. First, we have to be created. Then Christ is formed in us. And then we are made a joint heir. And we read this already, Romans 6, 5. But if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Then after that, the Bible says he made to grow. 
Once you come to Christ, once you have a new heart, once you have been formed and made a joint here and planted, then you should start to grow. That's the next expectation, that you are not the same person you were a year ago, 10 years ago, that you're able to do a little bit more, endure a little bit greater things. Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. Sometimes we have to grow up. Paul said, when I was a child, I did childish things. But now I'm a man, I put away those things. So some, once you get into the church, once you've been created and formed and made and planted, it's time for you to grow. And then the next thing God did in Genesis, he watered, John 4, 14. And Jesus used that symbol of water many times, representing the Spirit. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know what that means? We should have water and to give. From the time they first struck the rock, when they came out of Egypt, do you know they had water for the 40 years until just before they crossed over again? They had water and to give. And it's revealed in the New Testament, Paul says that rock that followed them was Christ. And that's why he said, listen, you should ask of me. And Moses did. He struck the rock. What did Jesus say? You should ask of me, speak to me, and I will give you, and you will never thirst again. The water that I will give you will never let you thirst again. John 4, 14 again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Imagine if we could remember those six scriptures and meditate upon them. One each day till next Sunday. Today, Lord, I want you to just create in me. Give me a peace that passes human understanding. Even though I know I'm going into a storm, there's some people I got to deal with. There's some situations I got to deal with. Create in me a clean heart. Let Christ be formed in me. Let me be made a joint heir because you are my portion. Keep me planted so that the storms don't break me. Keep me planted and rooted. And let me grow in grace. And give me so much water that I have to give other people. Amen. That's right, overflow. You know, there's some people I like being around. Because they're always cheerful. Maybe, I don't know what they're going through. And I don't want to name names. But they're always cheerful. Amen. They seem to have an abundance of water. Amen. I used to be good at hiding my feelings. I think, I think I'm not as good as I used to be. I used to be poker face. But now my wife, she can't hide her feelings. <laughs> no. She's, is she here? Okay, I can speak. No, 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 her and Chris, they can't, they, they, their feelings sometimes play on their face. And that's okay. That's okay. But we should have water and to give. We should have water and, and to give. Amen? Don't you think so? Because if we have been following that rock, and he said, speak to the rock. The last time when they were about to cross over, 
The water had stopped so that there could be the miracle of, of, of speaking to the rock. Jesus said, if you knew who it was who stood before you, you would ask. And I would give you water that you would never thirst again. The woman said, Lord, give me that water. And she went and called to let everyone else know. Amen. All right, we're going to go back to Genesis. We're, we're switching back and forth. We talked about planted. And why planted? Why not created? Or formed or made? Why did this time he use the word planted? Because that's what you do with a seed. He was representing the fact that the word has got to get in you. It's got to get in you. If it doesn't get in you, it cannot germinate. Everything that he created was after his kind. So unless the word gets in you, you cannot produce after his kind. It's the word that transforms. Shall I tell you what walking in the spirit is? It's just meditating upon the word. Because it says the things that are minded of Christ, right? If you will mind the things, that is walking in the spirit. Because the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. It's as simple as that. Some people think it's very hard to walk in the spirit. But it's a, it's a matter of what are you thinking about. The Bible says to be heavenly minded is life and peace and joy. But to be earthly minded, boy, that's trouble. If I start thinking about all the stuff I got to deal with, uh, my face will show it. <laughs> as much as I would want to hide it, you know, my wife will look at me and says, what's the matter? God used the word planted to reveal the fact that we have to have that seed. The gardener's plan is for the seed to be in you. Everything that he made had to produce after its kind. And the seed is the key. If you don't have the seed, you're not going to be able to produce after his kind. Genesis 1.11 And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so. Now, the revelation which some of you know is it appears that everything that God created had a seed in it. He didn't create anything that didn't have a seed. But now, there are some plants that don't reproduce by seed. I believe that happened after the curse. Most of the plants that do that, we have another name for them. Weeds. Tears. It's, it's strange, but nearly every plant that reproduces without a seed, we have another name for it, and it's a weed. We don't like it. It causes trouble. After his kind. We need the seed of God, the word of God, to be truly able to produce and represent and be in his image. After his kind. So it says now in, in my research that half of the plants in the world, mosses, and now half of plants reproduce without seeds. But that wasn't how God created it. That's a result of something else happening. And in the same chapter I read in Matthew, Jesus reveals what it was. He told two parables of a sower. The second one was about someone who came behind the first sower and started sowing the weeds. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. If we get the seed in us, you know what we're going to yield? 
after his kind. The word that's going to come out of us is going to be after his kind. There's not going to be a lot of corruption and defilement coming out because the seed is the word of God. Once you have that seed in you, that's the only thing that can come out of you. So we need to plant more seed, don't we? We need to get that seed planted in us. Whose seed was in itself after his kind. So if we have got the word of God in us, that's all we can put out. That's all we can. That's why I believe God used the symbol of planting to, 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 to show us that that is what we're supposed to bring forth. He could have just created stuff, but he wanted something to come from within us. Now, I put here before the fall, man was only given to eat of the plants. They ate no animals. They had the seed that God had originally planted. This was the model for the plan of redemption. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You understand that God works with the seed. He's not going to work with anything else. Because the promise was to the seed. And so we have to have the seed if we are going to claim the promise. That's the gardener's plan. Genesis seventeen nineteen. now. All this while, Abraham has been praying for a son. It's been many years. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. As I've told you before, everybody God calls, he either directly names them or he changes their name. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. Abraham and, and Sarah did not get to name their son. God named the son because he gave him. And my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. This was the reason I believe Abraham could take his son and take him up Mount Moriah, and sacrifice him because he believed this word. God had said that I'm going to give you a a seed and through your son, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Abram had to believe that somehow, even if his son died, he's going to be resurrected again. And God was able to use that model and say, Abraham, I know you would have gone through with this, but really it has to be me. It has to be me. The fulfillment, of course, of the seed that was to come was when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. And in Hebrews, it tells us something amazing. It says, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Do you understand that for deliverance, it all comes down to the seed It had to be the seed. That's the gardener's plan. Something has to be born in us. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. According to the Bible, she was maybe 99. 99. Because she judged him faithful who had promised If we look at our impossibilities alone, we will be in doubt. We will be in despair. If we look at our situation, we may think, man, this thing is so far gone. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. 
The disciples said to Jesus when he told them about the rich man, he said, with man it's impossible, which is true. But with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. He can change your situation just like that. He can change your famine into surplus just like that. He can cause food to fall down from the sky just like that. He can make water come out of a rock for 40 years just like that. Just like that. When you read Hebrews 11 and you read about all the things that happened to all, they call them the heroes of faith. God can do anything if we have that seed in us. Because I've said to you many times, all God has to say is those three words, right? Let there be, and the answer is? See, if you get that down in you, and that seed, that word is let there be. The only answer is it was so. I was listening uh, to Joel Osteen. (laughs) And he will repeatedly, I was in my mind criticizing him. He will repeatedly, if you listen to him long enough, he'll be telling you the story of how they got the compact center. That's in nearly every message. And I said, man, is he talking about that again? And I had to catch myself. You know why? Because I get up here and I keep telling you about how God, (laughs) I did the same testimony, how God removed my mortgage and paid. So, Jolie Osteen, I apologize. That's your testimony. You keep talking about it. You keep talking about it because my testimony is that God did, you know, and I tell you that every Sunday because it was such an amazing thing. An amazing thing. And I have lots of others, but that one, that one is, I usually tell that to the missionaries when they come. I'm trying to tell them the history of the church. And every time I tell them, it starts to like, wow, that really did happen. <laughs> you understand that when the seed gets in, when we fulfill the gardener's plan, we're going to yield some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So now the question is, have you been planted by the gardener? That's the critical thing. He will provide the seed. Amen? We have to prepare the soil. And then when it falls, we have to make sure and bury it. If we get that word in us and we're meditating, I guarantee you, try it this week. Take any one of those six scriptures and and think about it and say, Lord, fulfill. Make me to grow, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Plant me, Lord God. Water me. You start to meditate on those things, and I guarantee you, you will have a blessed week. Who's going to try that? Because it's not my words. It's not my words. The seed is powerful. That's what Jesus used to defeat Satan. He, he, he didn't say anything, but it is written. It is written. That's all you have to say to Satan is start to qu- give him some of that seed, and it's just like poison to him. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, See, if the seed is buried, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Here it is now, the second parable. The first one I told you about. Here's the second one that they didn't really understand. They had to call him aside after and said, could you explain this to us? Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed. See, when God created this world, 
he only could do one thing. God cannot create something bad. He can, it's not in his power to do that because he is perfect. Everything he created was perfection. So when you see, as they say, bad seed, that's not God. Not God. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good. Good, said every good gift. Good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy. Now even in the phrasing of that, it's very telling. The enemy, the adversary. Got another name for him. Satan. He didn't say another man because it said while men slept. Something else, not men, the enemy came and sowed tears. The weeds, the things that can replicate without seed. Do you get it? They can replicate without seed. I have to teach on that on Tuesday. Among the wheat. The weed is us, you know that, right? And went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares, the weeds also. You see, the Bible has this theme about the gardener's plan because in 1 John 3, 9 it says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, now that doesn't mean you never sin. And that's not what John meant because even in the same chapter, he goes on to say, he who says he has no sin is a liar. What he's speaking about is the noun living in sin where you're just camped out. Where you're in, the difference is this, and I think T.D. Jakes made the best example. It's the difference between a lamb falling in mud and a pig falling in mud. The pig falling in mud will go, oh, this feels good. I like this. And you can't get him out of the mud. But a lamb falling in the mud will be bleeding and trying to get out of the mud. You see, God looks at your heart and the intents of your heart. So when it says, whosoever does, is born of God doth not commit sin, it's using the, 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 the noun, like the, think of sin as a town. And you're living in it. As opposed to passing through. We're not to camp permanently in sin. And he cannot sin because he's born. Of, you can't live there. In fact, I tell you this, anytime you mess up, anytime you sin, and you're a child of God because you can sin, you know what happens to you? You feel so bad. There is a spirit of condemnation that will urge you to pray and seek God's mercy. Now, if you don't feel that, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place if you can just sin, know your sin, and ho-hum, no big deal. That's what he was saying. For his seed, that's what I'm talking about. If you have the word, if the word really is in you, you can't be comfortable Knowing you have hurt God. You can't, you can't be, I, I get very upset. I have to get it right. I have to fix it. I have to pray. I have to speak to God until I feel that my confession has been heard. Again, the proof is in the same book. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. There he's talking, it's a different um, sense of the word. One is a noun and one is an adjective. And it makes a big difference. It means passing through as opposed to I'm enjoying this. I don't think I did anything. That was Saul's problem. When he was confronted with his sin, he said, keep this quiet. 
Justify me before the people. Don't let anyone else know. David, on the other hand, he said, Created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit with me. You were just. You were right when you said I was wrong. He didn't try to deny it. He didn't try and squirm out of it. And that's why he had mercy. So John is not saying that we will never sin, but it is our attitude whether we are enjoying it and want to stay in it. And if we have the seed, we won't like it. We won't like it. You know when a seed starts to germinate and the plant comes up, you know where it tries to go to? The sun. You put dark over this side, it'll turn this way. The seed will search out the light. It won't want to go to the darkness because that's death. The seed will search out the light. If you put darkness over here, it'll turn this way. It'll turn because that's not its nature. Second Corinthians five nineteen says this: to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling, bringing back the world unto Himself, not imputing, not accounting the trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us now this word of reconciliation. That's why, in our leadership thing, we we, we talked about what the gospel means, right? Good news. The good news is you can be saved. If I start telling you the bad news is is that you're going to hell, no, that's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news. You don't have to go to hell. Very soon, it will be the time of the harvest. You can stand with me. I'm coming to an end. We're coming into the fall season of this year. And if you drive out of Milwaukee a few miles and you start to see the farms, you'll start to see the harvesters in the, fa- in the, in the fields because the, the, the wheat and the corn is starting to ripen. It's turning you know, yellow and they start to harvest it. So in the parable, Jesus continued to tell the story. He said, so the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst that now sow good seed in the field? Where, where, where did all these weeds come from? These things that reproduce but have no seed. He said unto them, an enemy has done this. The ser- servant said unto him, will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay. Lest while he gather up the tears, he root up also the wheat with them. You see, God right now is being so patient. He's being so merciful. He's giving everyone a chance. He says that he will that none be lost. So he's holding off. But there is going to be a harvest. There is going to be a harvest. Verse 30 says, Let them both grow together until the time of harvest. I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And here is the scripture that is real interesting. Remember now, everything that he planted had a seed in it, according to Genesis. Here's what, here's what Jesus says. And this is how you know that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not planted by God. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath, plant, hath not planted shall be what? Rooted up. That's what you do in your garden. You go through and you start looking for the stuff that's choking out your tomatoes and your squash, and you you start rooting it up. 
Well, God, the supreme gardener, is no different. And the beauty of it is how we know, amongst many other things, I'll have to teach that on a Tuesday night, is when we get to the book of Revelation, it speaks about the tree of life. But you never, ever hear again about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember, everything that he planted was good for food. Everything that God ever planted, he can only plant good. So anything that you eat that's going to kill you was not good for food. Therefore, he didn't plant it. Amen? You, you get that? You understand that? He didn't plant it. He did not plant it. He said an enemy came and sowed what? Tears. Tears, weeds, stuff that had no seed. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. You see, the end of the story is we're going to get to return to the garden. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, that's the key. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Isn't it amazing that that thief on the cross said the world's shortest prayer? Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That was it. You could count those words on a hand. And because of those last words, he got to be in the garden. Jesus himself said, today. Verse 2, in the midst of the street of it and in either side of the river was the tree of life. Now here's you can tell that it's supernatural. It's not an ordinary tree, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. Amen. Next week I'm going to continue this. We're going to do the seven agricultural products that are symbols of the harvest. Amen? But the word to take from today is to remember to get that seed in you. Meditate upon the word of God. This is what will give you strength. This is what will give you power. Because he said, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, then you shall ask. When you're using the word and it's abiding in you, that means the seed is buried deep. No fowl can take it. No cares of life can take it. No sun can scorch it. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to grow towards the light. It's going to grow towards the light. Amen. Let's meditate upon God's word. Let's take it with us. Amen. Let's bow our heads at this time. Father, we thank you for your word. Hallelujah. That cannot fail. Lord, you said if your words pass away, heaven and earth would pass away first. Lord, we know that your word is powerful. Amen. And that it will not return to you void. Help us, I pray, to bury that seed in our heart, to meditate, to give you praise, to lift up your name. Lord, we ask for your blessing and your presence and your anointing in our service to come. Let everyone who's under the sound of my voice, Lord, let the seed be planted. Let faith increase. Hallelujah. Let deliverance come. We give you the praise and the glory 
in Jesus' name.